All right. First John chapter four. While you're turning there, if you haven't already, I got a question for you. I want to have a pastoral conversation with you today. We've taken the last two weeks and really just expanded our thinking about the Christmas season, about God, about Jesus. And I want to have a more pastoral, a more vision in conversation with you today about what happens when God with us brings love into the conversation. Have you ever wondered why it is so hard for people to love each other? I mean, really? Like, I'm not just asking a silly question. Have you ever wondered why it is so hard for people to love each other? We can look at our culture. We can look at the world. We can look at history. We can look at the body of Christ. If anybody should be able to get this right, should it not be the body of Christ? It should be. That's a great place to say yes out loud and participate because I can't see your face. I don't know if you're listening or if you're taking a nap. All right. (laughs) It's very difficult for people to love people. And the, the big category of that is we're just selfish, right? We're selfish people. We want what's best for us. But on the more gracious side, life's complicated, right? Life is complicated. Relationships are complicated. Just think about the relationships you've had over the last year. Human beings, we're complicated. We are complicated people. We talked last week, if if anybody had an environment to get it right, it was Adam and Eve, right? They had had every opportunity to get it right, and they couldn't. And that's the point, right, is that on the more negative side, we struggle. We struggle because we are sinful people. We're broken people living in a broken world with other broken people. Another way to say that, if I could just step into your grill a little bit, is just say, you're a sinful person living in a sinful world with other sinful people. And that's the offensive nature of the gospel, right? That before good news comes, which is what this is all about, that before that good news comes, there's actually some bad news. And the reality is, is that what the scripture calls the perfect law of liberty is that you would take God's word and just hold it up in front of your life and recognize that you don't measure up. And we talk about that every week because I think we're tempted as human beings to think that we actually can measure up. And we wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. Right? It's Romans 7. I do the things I don't want to do, Paul says, and I don't do the things that I want to do. Why? (laughs) Thank the Lord for Romans 8. And so... Surely we can agree on one central theme, though, right? The world would be a better place if we would all love each other first, right? If we would just, if our first instinct was love, things would be different. Things would be different. I'm not saying we shouldn't, like, debate or seek truth or do any of the things that have caused humanity to progress. Those are good things. Science is good. History is good. Education is good. We, we want all of those things, and none of those things disagree with your Bible, by the way. 
So, first act of love is actually central to our Christian faith. Love is actually the central theme to our faith. Central to being a Jesus follower is the truth that we can actually abide in love. And love can abide in us. What is different about what you and I do when we put our vision up, right? As Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. We actually have hope because, of course, I'm referring to love as a person here, right? That we're not saying that love is some abstract feeling out there, but that love has a name. That Jesus Christ, the one born in Nazareth 2,000 years ago, that we have actual evidence of him walking on the earth and doing things that nobody else could do. That historical, factual figure was not just some great guy, but he was love in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And when God came to us, last week we looked at the fact that he brought us hope. He brought us hope, and without hope, we fade in this life. But today I want you to think about this idea that Love in the flesh is Emmanuel, God with us. God is love. We could go a ton of places in the Bible to see this, but I want to draw your attention to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and I want to just draw our hearts into this space where one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his closest followers, John, would say, you know, when when we were in the upper room, I was the guy who laid my head on Jesus' shoulder. Like we were that close. Remember John's transformation? John and his brother went from being the guy saying, Jesus, do you need us to call fire down from heaven on these people? You want me to burn them alive right now because they are fools? (laughs) To being the guy who's going to write what we're about to read in 1 John 4. Massive transformation in this guy's life. So one of his closest friends, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very words of God, writes for us. Let's just take it in a couple chunks here. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, let's begin there. Here's how he starts. He says, Beloved. Beloved. So often we let those greetings slip past us, don't we? But it's really important because twice in the short span here of what we're going to look at in just four or five verses, he's going to say, we are the beloved. I want you to know, and maybe this is the reason you're here today, is for this truth, is that when when John looks at the people that he's writing to, I imagine him getting down on a knee, right? And looking us in the eye as a father figure would. And saying, you're beloved by God. No doubt in this amount of people and watching online, somebody doesn't feel loved by God. You say, Pastor, you're talking about God is love, but I don't feel loved by God. I feel pretty worthless. I feel a lot of shame. And I just want you to know that Jesus came to set you free 
from that shame because here's the reality is when you are called the beloved of God, you you are finding out whose you are before anything is told of you of what to do. And the order matters. Because if you go try to love the world without the love of God flowing through you, you will never accomplish what you're setting out to do. We burn out. We burn out. But look look at what he says. Who before what? Beloved, let us love one another. It's not just, hey, you need to love people more. (laughs) I know. Right? Like we, we struggle to even do that with our closest friends and our family. We struggle to love the people we love the most consistently. You know what I'm saying? And so when he comes and he says, beloved, it's so important that we understand who we are before what we're supposed to do. So what does he say? He says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus stepped onto this earth, love came. Love came down to live and breathe and dwell among us. And when Jesus ascended off that mountain away from his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit will be present in every single believer, there is actually an ability within the people of God to love others more than themselves. But only in that order, only in that order, Because as we're going to get to in a minute, not yet, but it's going to remind us of how love, John's going to remind us of how love gets perfected in us. And so more on that in a second. But two times John refers to us as the beloved. And it's so important to know that because the goal is to love each other, right? That's the goal of what is said here. If you are born of God and you know God You are going to love people. Are you going to do that perfectly? This is a good time to say no. No, no. But there is an actual born of God ability in your life because of the Holy Spirit to love each other. And so the goal is then to love each other because love is from God. But let's just dive into that problem a little bit. It's very difficult to love each other. If we're just really honest, we see things differently than other people around us pretty often. I mean, if you were to just think about your week, like your past week and the relationships and conversations you've had, how many times do we just see the world differently than each other? It's a lot more than I think we wish it was. Can we just be honest in church together as the body of Christ that so often in our marriages, in our friendships, in our parenting, in our, I mean, well, I mean, it must have been five times my wife and I this week 
We just had different ideas. You know, pray for her. Pray that the Spirit would lead her to the truth. I'm just kidding. How many of you know Pastor Mitch was probably in the wrong? <laughs> just, just confess that, right? James chapter 5, we talked about it a few weeks ago. There's healing. You're healing me right now as I confess my sins. I didn't get an amen out of the front row, surprisingly. They're like, I don't know if he's joking or if I should. <laughs> Moving on. She's put up with me for 12 years, 12 and a half years. Can you believe that? Give her some love. 16, that's true. We've been married for 12 and a half years. She's been putting up with me for 16. So pray for your, pray for your pastor's wife. Because there's a problem, right? And John goes even farther, right? John goes even farther and he says, if you, if you don't find yourself loving, then you don't know God. See, because that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Because we like to think that we can separate the two. We like to think that we can, we can have our cake and eat it too. I can live like the world, and then I can come on Sunday and worship Jesus. And because God's gracious, right? Paul mentioned this in his letters to the churches, right? He says, um, just because grace is there, should we sin more? And he says, of course not. That doesn't even make sense because when love comes in, love goes out. Love is not selfish. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love casts out fear. Right? That's what the scripture tells us. And so we, we like to think we can separate these, right? Because what hope is there then to love? When we look at our culture, we're not going to get the answer. When we look at the world around us, we're not going to get the answer. Right? Like the big word now is tolerance. But tolerance has moved from, I understand you have a different viewpoint than me. And we can just, we can just agree to disagree. I love you. Anyway, now it's if you don't celebrate what I believe, then you're filling the blank with whatever it is. But that's not true. We as the people of God can actually come and say, I love you because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then the next verse, which we tend to forget, says that John three seventeen says that for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world that the world through him might be saved. Romans tells us the kindness of God leads to repentance. We are people that love. We're loving people. What hope do we have? Emmanuel. God with us. That's our hope to actually love people. That is how we love people. Because God with us ushers in, brings in, makes possible love. Look at verse 9 and 10. See, because this is where the gospel matters for you as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, welcome. You came on the right week because this is how you find the thing you've been looking for that you couldn't find anywhere else that you looked for it. Because love and acceptance and hope and peace and joy are found in a person. And that person has a name and his name is Jesus. And here's why. Look at verse 9. In this... Right? Because we're told what we're supposed to do. We're told who we are. Then we're told what we're supposed to do. But when we recognize that problem, we realize that we need help from outside of ourselves. That I can't muster up the ability to love people the way that I should. So what do I do? I go back to Jesus. Look at this in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. What does manifest among us mean? Emmanuel. God with us. This is how he showed us what love is. 
This is how he showed us what we can do if he's a part of our life. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we, listen to this, don't miss this, that we might live through him. What is the hope that I have to love people the way that I should? I live through Christ. That God with us, the Holy Spirit in us, the presence of God in us can live through us. So that we might live through him. Verse 10. In this is love. I love this. Not that we have loved God. In this is love. Not that we have loved God. He's shifting the focus of your Christian faith. Off of what you are able to do. And back onto what he has already done. This is the thing that separates Christianity. From every other good vibes out there. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and then he sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a fun word to say, especially when you're trying to talk fast and use all of your time. Propitiation, what, what is that all about? What is propitiation? When we talk about what God has done for us, we think about it in this category of atonement. That there's a problem called sin, and you and I love our sin. And it has separated us from God. That, that God is love. God is a relational God. God is a relational being, and he wants to be in relationship with you. But there's a problem. He's holy. And so because he's holy... And he loves you. There's a gap that has to be made up. And so, again, the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world, whether they do good things or not, the difference is that when you have this gap, every other religion says, this is how you close that gap and hopefully you get there. What Christianity, what the God of the Bible tells us is that when God saw that gap, He did not expect us to cross that gap. He knew that we couldn't cross that gap, and so he crossed that gap for us. And so atonement is just that. It comes in two forms. One is expiation. In other words, something happened for us or out of us. In other words, that God took our punishment on himself. And then propitiation is the powerful thing That has to do with what is removed from us. So in biblical terms, it's taking away guilt through the payment of Jesus. And we are atoned for. Our sins are atoned for. And so through that process, we're restored into fellowship and favor with the God who created us. And that's the only way for that to happen. The ransom is paid. And you are getting off scot-free. Grace isn't fair. Grace isn't fair. So when you think about that, why do bad things happen to good people? That's such a great question. It's a question everybody asks. But a better question is, why do good things happen to bad people? Is the better question. Because the Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And I don't know where you are this Christmas season... Maybe you've known Jesus for years, but you've just walked away. You've just walked from that relationship. 
I want you to know that God hasn't moved. You might have ran, but God hasn't moved. God is still that father of the prodigal son or daughter who's standing on his porch watching the road. And then he finally one day sees his lost child coming up the road. And the God of the universe hikes up his garment and runs down the dusty road to you. He doesn't mind getting in the dirt with you. He loves you. He's your father. He's perfect. And he's thrilled that you might come back. If you don't know him, if you've never been adopted into the family of God, today's the day. Look at the last two verses here, and then the band's going to lead us in just a response song. Look at the last two verses here. 11 and 12 says this. Beloved, we're back where we started. We're back where we started, the Father heart of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, think about this. If God so loved us and he's offered himself to live through us, what is the fruit of that? What is the fruit of a relationship with God? What is the fruit of spending time? See, I'm not talking about some lame relationship with God. I'm talking about a relationship. Right? Can you imagine if I didn't talk to my wife for months at a time? I wouldn't have much of a marriage, would I? Can you imagine if I never provided for my kids? That wouldn't make me much of a father, would it? We understand these terms, but some for some reason we don't we can't we feel like we can't relate to God. And I just want you to know that you can relate to God because you're his beloved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, some things are so simple and yet they're so difficult and so profound. Beloved, if you're God's child, if you've been adopted into his family, if you have been loved by God, ought, what, shouldn't we love one another? And then again, he just gives us hope, right? He says, no one has seen God. No one has ever seen God. <laughs> but if we love one another... You can see God because God abides in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's the counterintuitive nature of the gospel, right? Is that if I stop striving and start walking with the Lord, with my eyes fixed on him, The same God who authored my faith, remember, born of God, is the one that I'm getting to know. And as I'm born of God and I know God, I will begin to love others like God. But it doesn't come from you loving better. It comes from you receiving better. And when you receive better from the Lord... He'll move into your life and he'll begin to transform you into the image of Jesus. And that's going to take a really long time. So that's the bummer, right? But here's why that takes so long, because we're really tempted to shift that focus off of him and onto us. And can I just encourage us today in this Christmas season, as we think about our neighbors, as we think about our family, as we think about Christmas Eve, as we think about getting people to the feet of Jesus this Christmas season that the best way forward is love not arguing not battling 
Not believing that the world around you is stupid. It's love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. The counterintuitive nature of the gospel. The fruit of a relationship with God. Real relationship. Time spent. The fruit of that is love. Perfect love. Mature love. Has been among us. It lives in us. And it produces love through us. The church is the hope of the world. You and I are the hope of the world. And once you get over the shock factor and being scared of that fact, we start to recognize that the more time we spend with Jesus, the better city set on a hill that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 will be. I had a friend in college who, Camden, my wife's name is Camden, she didn't like me to be around this guy a whole lot because I started to act like him. I've got a lot of wives nodding their head. Like, yeah, I know what that's all about. Right? It, that, that's kind of our human experience, right? But we were made that way. We were made that way because when we are in relationship with the God of the universe, that's how we begin to act like him. And so I don't know where you're at today, but why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing this song. You don't have to sing. Maybe today you need to pray. Maybe you need to get with the Lord and do business with Him. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you you know He's real. You have a relationship with Him, but you've walked away. Man, today's the day to just move back into that relationship with the God of the universe, your Father in heaven. Right? And let's just reorient ourselves around seeking first the kingdom of God. Love first. Because he, what, first loved us. Amen? And if you're not a Christian today, if you're watching online, you're not a Christian. And I just encourage you, it's so simple. It's so simple we miss it. That the fact that God came to this earth and was the propitiation for your sins means that there's an offer to you in love. It's a gift that all you have to do is receive. The Bible says it's very simple that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, which, by the way, we have record of, the Bible says you will be saved. And on that moment, you'll be born of God that John talked about, that you'll be born of God and then you'll begin this relationship where you get to know God and nothing will ever be the same if you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life would you do that just in the quietness of your heart there's no magic prayer just confess and the Holy Spirit will take it from there but if you do that would you tell us we would love to partner with you get you a Bible get you set up with somebody who can walk this journey with you and be in relationship with you we would love to do that if you're online there's links you can click we would love to be that for you why don't we pray and then we'll lift the name of jesus together